All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life Around the Table. Today we have Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Day Spring Reformed Church. Hey, thank you. Good it's to good see you. Good to be here. Yeah, I gave you a good introduction today. Lots of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm supposed to match it. Right. <laughs> Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church. Good morning. Good, good to be with you. Good to see you. And then uh, we have a special guest. You have a Kansas. That's an interesting shirt. Did you go to Kansas or something? I did. Being I'm a, homer a rock this week. Jayhawk. <laughs> <laughs> 2022 national champion. It's very <laughs> salmon. It's a very salmonly. I'm not going to call it pink. Faded red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's Pastor Ryan Hippel from Treasure Valley Presbyterian Reformed Church. No, yep, Tim, that's I get fine. It right? You got the words. I got in it backwards, there. didn't I? It's okay. Dang it. And I'm Josh Bells from the Well. Just the Well. It's don't, Treasure Valley. I don't have like eight words in our name. It's just the Well. Um, it is Holy Week. Uh, yesterday we talked about Palm Sunday. Um, very significant event. Go ahead. It's Palm <laughs> Sunday on a Wednesday. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. So yeah, we we were talking Tuesday on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're a little bit behind, but we're catching up. Today is Thursday, and we are talking about um, Monday Thursday today. Yes. Um, where do we get that word? Why is that? Why do we call it Monday Thursday? It's called that because in the Gospel of John, when Jesus meets for that last Passover meal with his disciples, that you know what we know is the Last Supper, uh, he says, "A new commandment I give to you." And the the Monday is actually from the Latin, which means mandate, and it which is commandment, and so that's why it's referred to as Monday Thursday. So a lot of events happened on this on this Thursday night. So so the the, the institution of the first Lord's Supper which was on yeah, Passover, yeah. the washing of the feet of the disciples. So so as they're coming so as they're they're coming there, you know, the the Lord has expressed a desire to uh, celebrate Passover with his disciples. The disciples want to know where he wants to do that. Um, he sends two of them into a city and whether it was you know, in Obviously, you know, again, we're looking at the fact that God is, that Jesus is in total control. He knows what things he says. You're going to see a man uh, carrying uh, carrying a, a, a jug of water. And, uh, you know, that would be, you know, somebody said, men don't really carry jugs of water. They might have a little bag of water, but they don't carry a jug of water. That was a woman's thing. That would be like saying, go to the mall and find the guy holding his wife's purse. And uh, so they, so they, Lock in on 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 this guy. the The Lord wants to use this room. It's set aside. They have to prepare the Passover meal. It meant that they had to go and and receive that lamb, bring everything back. Um, the whole thing had to be prepared. The one thing that hadn't been worked out was, you know, uh, in you know, you come in there, everything, everybody's got a dust dusty feet. There should have been somebody there to wash the feet. Jesus washes the feet of his disciples on that particular day. So um, can we tie together? So Jesus is always doing this, right, in the New Testament. He's tying the, the threads of of Old Testament redemptive history together with mm-hmm. New Testament redemptive history. Can we tie those two threads together of, of the Lord's Supper and the Passover? How are these two events related to one another? Well, Jesus being our the God's Passover lamb, I mean, the whole – um, situation in the Exodus of taking that lamb and uh, sacrificing it, eating around the table, 
uh, putting the blood on the doorpost in the night in which the Lord was bringing his final plague and judgment upon Egypt to deliver his people, uh, his angel, when he saw that blood on the doorpost, would pass over. And so it's pointing to Jesus's work and that his shedding of his blood is um, causes God to, in a sense, pass over uh, as far as the judgment that is due to our sin. That judgment was placed upon Christ. And so when we when Christ institutes the Lord's Supper using the Passover, he's instituting you know another supper that is to carry on until he comes again, that is proclaiming his work of redemption. And one of the things I love about the Lord's Supper is that it's a tangible um, holding and tasting, smelling of the gospel. Mm. You know, when, when we observe the Lord's Supper, whether it's weekly or monthly on a regular basis, those moments that we observe it, we get to hear the gospel preached, and then we get to hold it in our hands. Mm. And uh, it's just a beautiful reminder, not only of Christ's death that we proclaim until he comes, but in his death, we're proclaiming his victory, we're proclaiming his resurrection, we're proclaiming his ascension, his glorification, everything that is wrapped up in his saving work in Christ. Mm. Exodus 12 is actually the place where we find the Passover. Mm. And what what takes one of the things that we sometimes miss about this, while this was uh, the 10th plague that came, uh, you know, that um, the firstborn in every household in Egypt would be killed and uh, livestock as well. Uh, one of the things that we miss is the fact that uh, Israel were, was a sinful people too. Yeah. They needed a covering. Uh, you know, the, it wasn't just, and so. Uh, a substitute had to die, uh, a representative substitute, and that house was marked with that blood to show that a substitute had been offered. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this and so uh, this became a memorial. Uh, this was something that they were to practice every year. And this is and Jesus would have practiced the Passover every year. We're told that his parents and brought him up to Jerusalem every year. And so uh, he wants to do this again. He fulfilled this part of um, of the of the law, and then he he uh, transforms that with the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. He he's he's he stands before them. The Lamb is set aside. I it's my body that's broken. Mm-hmm. It's my blood that's shed. Is what he's telling them. So I mean, sometimes there's just confusion. Um, about what took place in the upper room. Um, Jesus did partake of Passover, the traditional Passover with his disciples. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he he institutes something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just simply that he had Passover with his disciples or that he had the Lord's Supper, as we call it now, with his disciples. He did both. And so he, he did a traditional Passover meal with his disciples, as a good Jew would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he added... The, for the sake of not only his disciples, but for us to move forward, now th- something different is going to occur in, in church history that's going to change. So we're not, you're no longer going to remember the Passover that happened long ago before the Exodus. What you're going to remember now is the work of God's firstborn mm-hmm. and what he accomplished yeah. in his death and resurrection and ascension, that's now going to be the new marker in church history where we're going to stop and remember 
Christ's body broken and and for his people, Christ's blood shed for his people, for the redemption of a people, Um, and that it's his blood that now covers those that would be underneath the wrath and judgment of God, just like in the Old Testament that the people of Israel would have been under the wrath and judgment of God um, in the Passover. Yeah. Russ, Russ points out something really um, wonderful when he talks about uh, Jesus being the firstborn. Um, this this is the connection back to the Passover, where the for, firstborn um, um, would have been covered by the blood of the lamb in the Israelite house. The firstborn were uh, decimated throughout all of Egypt, and Jesus, you know, he he the sinless one. He's going to take that same thing upon him. He's the firstborn that's going to be killed and 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 sacrificed for the sins of many. Amen. Oftentimes we we forget just how profound some of the things that Jesus said in the upper room was, and then it, it's fascinating to me that the Monday Thursday is about the command that he gives, and he says in, in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Just incredible insight, this incredible command and the promise that it's by the love of God's people that other people will know that you're my disciple. And then the response right after that is by Peter, Lord, where are you going? (laughs) Peter completely missed the command. Mm -hmm. Jesus is giving this profound moment of how are people going to know that you belong to me? by how you love one another. And Peter completely skips over that and goes back in time because Jesus had just said, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Mm -hmm. And Peter latches on that and completely misses the commandment. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think that too, um, you know, this is not a new commandment in the sense that you know, we know that all the law and prophets hang on, you know, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So there, the, the commandment to love one another is already out there. Um, but there but there's a fresh reason why they need to know this. You know, um, when when this commandment is given, Judas has just departed mm-hmm. to, to um, betray Jesus. Um, Peter will, you know, all the disciples in some way are going to betray Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the shepherd's going to be struck. They're going to scatter. There's going to have to be forgiveness amongst them. Uh, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, and Peter is going to deny Christ three times. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going to have to come back together and love one another. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and so it is really profound that Jesus is telling them at that point uh, to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, part of... Um the, the text itself is helpful. By the way, if you want to study this more out, uh, the letter of 1 John uh, unpacks this mm-hmm. even more. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says in John 13, um, this is um, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think is helpful mm-hmm. in unpacking what he means by the, mm-hmm. by the newness New of it. Right. Uh, what does Jesus do? 
Well, he, he, I mean, he does multiple things. He lays, he literally lays down his life for his mm-hmm. people. He loves them in spite of their sin. I mean, um, he, he puts, he puts the interests of others before his own interests. Now, you could derive some of these principles out from the Old Testament, no doubt. But yeah. when the in, when, when God incarnate does this right in front of you, he illustrates it in a way like it's never been illustrated before. Right. And this is, this is the very thing that the church, um, so desperately needs to grab a hold of because in the very next verse he says, and this is how the world will know that you're my disciples by your, by that type of love for mm-hmm. one another. Right. And that's why Paul says, you know, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, that's the work of Christ is that most clear ex- um, declaration and example of God's love towards his people. Mm-hmm. And he died for us while we were yet sinners, while we were ugly, while we were, while enemies. We were useless, while we were enemies, while we hated him. And that's the level of love and the scope of love that Jesus is calling us as disciples to do. Right. Yep. Um, Philippians 2 kind of puts a little bit of a, a teaching motif on what was played out in the narrative of John 13. So Jesus sets aside his garments, washes his disciples' feet, um, shows them this humble servant heart of love for these disciples who are going to all scatter and leave him alone as he goes through the crucifixion. Um, Paul writes, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Mm. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And in some ways, that's the newness yep. of the new commandment. Yep. Um, we see a little bit more of the earthiness of what does that look like in time and space? Mm-hmm. It means to, to put yourself below somebody else and say, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing for you to get your way. I'm willing to, to, to die to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and that's not so clear in the Old Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to The Gospel for Life. If you've missed any of these shows, just go subscribe to The Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.